Special welcome to those who are joining us online. Great to have you with us as well. We really appreciate you tuning in and spending the time with us. And um, yeah, God bless you as you join us. Many of you may be aware that this is actually my first week in the, in the role as Acting Allgate Campus Pastor, which is a really long four-word title. Um, <laughs> but there we are, I'm the act, so I had to practice that. Uh, Acting Allgate Campus Pastor. And so partly as a result of that and partly as a result of where we are in our church season at the moment, just want to take a break from 1 Corinthians, which we've been starting to go through. And we're just going to talk a little bit about church tonight. And, and where we're at. And then, because not all of you know me, I now have an official role rather than just someone who sits in this congregation, although I have been an elder, and you might have noticed that. Um, I'm going to do a little bit more of an introduction to me just so that you know who this bloke up the front is. Some of that will be familiar. Some of that you might learn something. Um, and then I want to talk a little bit about just what's going on in our church at this season and what are the emphases for this period. So, and then really we'll get down to the good stuff, which is we'll talk about Jesus at the end. Is that tuning in and out? That sounds like it to me. Should I just use the other mic? That's all right. All right. Just sounds like it's tuning in and out to me. That's okay. All right. Very good. So, um, yeah, and I want to talk a little bit about things that impact this congregation as we do that. So if you thought you were coming here for an expository sermon tonight where we just go through a passage in the Bible, that's not this week. Okay, next week or the week after, we'll be back to that. But this week, like I said, we want to talk about those things. We will focus on Jesus at the end and around Christ, our cornerstone, which is the theme for tonight. And I won't do this every week, but I do think it's important as I start this role that I make a couple of acknowledgements just so that people actually understand something that's um, really important, these things. The first one is that, and I love to say this, this is just a pleasure to me, uh, to be able to say that Jesus is Lord. And first and foremost, everything that I'm going to do in my tenure should be focused on Jesus. I say should be because I am not perfect. And there will be times when I fail in that quest. Um, but everything that I do is with that in my mind. Even the dumb stuff and the stupid stuff and the stuff that some people shake their head at some of that actually is intended to say, that's part of who God created me to be, and my intent is that it relates and it, it exposes the gospel to some. So just to say that's really important to me, that, he's a, you know, that Jesus is my Lord and he's who I live for. The second thing I want to do is to acknowledge that the place in which we meet actually is Kana land, that they are the traditional owners of this land, and the traditional custodians, and we want to acknowledge their elders, past and present, just to acknowledge that, that we recognise that this is what's going on here. And that we actually recognise and extend that to all people of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander descent. I actually want to extend that one step further as well tonight and to say everybody is welcome here. It actually doesn't matter who you are, what colour you are, what your thought processes are, how you identify, where you are in relation to God right now, our church welcomes everybody. We may not agree on everything. That is actually okay. You are welcome here. 
And we, I just want to emphasize that, that that's really important too. So like I said, I was going to talk a little bit about where we are as a church, because I think it's important. You might have noticed for some, for some of you that there was a guy called Mark Sanders who was a senior pastor here. He sometimes preached. And last week we actually had a farewell service for Mark. Um, and he left the building. Not this building, but we were in Verdun at the time. Uh, we did something that was very culturally appropriate. And we, um, after the service had finished, um, in recognising the season where we're at in AFL, we carried him out on our shoulders and... He appreciated that a lot, actually, because that's never going to happen to him in any other, se- <laughs> in any other scenario. Um, so that's good. Uh, so that happened. And because that happened um, reasonably suddenly, the, the board were left with, what are we going to do about our senior pastor and the Allgate campus pastor? Because Mark was filling both of those roles. So the board has actually appointed Dave Shepherd, who's the pastor at the Verdun campus, as the acting senior pastor. And who'd have thought, but they appointed me as the Allgate campus pastor uh, in an acting role until we can find a real one. Um, but um, So, first of all, what's the impact on this service? Because on the surface, you might say not much, really, and I think that's actually true. Um, because Nick will still be here, you know, leading this congregation. I will still be here turning up. Um, and so, at many, in some ways, that might not make a big impact on this congregation at this point in time. But it's worth thinking about that change is happening in our church, and inevitably, as we get a new senior pastor, they're going to come with some strengths and some emphases that are going to filter through. And in some ways, we should welcome that, because when we get somebody, you know, that's what we actually want. We actually want them to bring what they have. We want Brick, Nick, Brick? We want <laughs> maybe you've just got a new nickname, just like that. Bam, Brick. Um, maybe so. We want Nick to bring what he's got. We don't want him to try and be someone else. We want him to say, Nick, what's God doing in your life? Give that to us. That's what you're here for. So similarly with the senior pastor, um, you know, that will happen. And when the Allgate campus pastor comes, they too will have some influence. And so we just should be ready for these things when they occur. So I want to go through a few things just so you know what happens. This is a little bit of church process and some of this is just so that you really understand because we've actually put some communications out on Facebook, we've put them out through letters, we've put them out through emails, but we know not everybody reads those things. Um, and that just because you've said something once doesn't mean that people have seen it, taken it in and absorbed it. Um, so this is really an opportunity for us just to get people up to speed. If this is not your scene, you are quite happy to zone out for the next few minutes, okay? I will not be offended. Um, that will be quite okay. But You might learn a little bit about what goes on behind the scenes, and I actually think that's actually really important that people do know. And the second thing I think that's really important is this is the board and myself doing everything we can to be as transparent as we can about what we're doing, and especially in the leadership space, because within that comes accountability. And we actually like that accountability. Baptist churches are run by the members. It's not actually run by the board or the senior pastor or the elders. It's the members who actually uh, govern Baptist churches and make the big decisions that we make. 
And so this is just trying to give you information so that you know this is what we do around here. In one sense, it's endeavouring to give you some peace and comfort in this season of change. And failing that, just put it in the back of the brain for when you're 50, okay? <laughs> because um, that's, you know, I, I kind of get that too, but it's good that you hear some of this stuff. So in the wake of, um, oh, the other thing I would say is you've got questions. We're actually going to have a question and answer time later in the service, okay? There's going to be an opportunity for you to ask questions about this. But we may not have enough time, so you can always ask questions from myself, from Nick, from Decky, um, or from Mike as the elders of the church. They are people who can answer questions, and please ask them. That's what we're all about here. So in the wake of Mark's resignation, um, there was interim positions or acting pastors have been appointed. But the other thing we did very quickly, there was a month of consultation and then a month of decision and action, and we appointed a pastoral search team. And from Allgate campus, uh, there's Ben Nowak, who's the chair of the board, Morning Congregation, Claire Jenkins, who's an elder, also Morning Congregation, and Dennis Phillip, who many of you will know because he's only recently stopped coming to this, um, this service in the evening. So he's very familiar with essentially what goes on in this space. And that pastoral search team has a multitask brief. The first one is to actually seek a senior pastor and, and campus pastors, but within that, the first thing is an in, what we are calling an internal discernment process around the senior pastor with David Shepherd, who is the campus pastor at Verdun. So we could go very wide, but we've actually thought as a board that Dave would always make the cut. You know, if we were going through that, that he would be in the last three. Therefore, let's take this time and discern whether um, it's appropriate. And just to say, what does discernment mean? Um, it's actually making a decision, but with the Holy Spirit involved. So normal recruitment is two parties. There's the organisation, Hills Baptist Church, and the candidate, whoever's wanting to come and be a pastor with us. That would be normal recruitment. Discernment, and there's two parties. Discernment has three parties. There's the organisation, there's a candidate, and there's the Holy Spirit. And in going through this process, we do that. In a normal recruitment process, as a church, we actually do that with the final candidate as well. It's not different. At one level, we are doing the same thing. We are just taking one step out of it because we have uh, someone who we believe would be in that situation anyway. And the other reason we're doing it effectively is to be, in, given that circumstance, is to be fair to Dave and his family. Because as we do it this way, we will probably know within six weeks what Dave's future is. If we did it the other way, we wouldn't know for six, seven, eight months. And that's a huge strain on their family. And so, and the last thing is we think we've got a good process that's robust that says this is not just a rubber stamp, but, um, you know, that we will go through due process that withstands scrutiny, that people could come back to us as a leadership and say, did you do that properly? And we'll be able to say hand on heart, we did this, you know, as well as we could do. We do have independent people involved on the pastoral search or person from the Baptist Churches of South Australia as well involved in that pastoral search team. So they're ones to stop us, essentially. Their brief is to say, make sure this is done properly. Make sure this withstands scrutiny. 
So I wanted you to just understand that bit of process. The other thing I wanted to let you know is the board that um, provides a lot of direction in this point in time has asked us as a church, that's all of us, um, not to lose momentum at this point. You know, don't treat this season as just, oh, we'll just wait until we get a senior pastor and we'll just wait until we get a campus pastor. But they've actually asked, you know, us as a church and Dave and myself in particular to operate as if Dave's appointment will be successful. I'll talk more about me in a moment. Um, but as if that will happen, once again, just want to emphasise that doesn't mean it's rubber stamp, that it's a foregone conclusion, but just as a way of giving the church clarity and focus and to continue to grow, that we've, they've asked us to proceed in that way. Uh, if the discernment process affirms Dave, then we'll move on you know, fairly quickly almost without losing stride. If that process, in that process, either Dave or the church decides, or collectively, we decide that's not the way to proceed, we will deal with the fallout. And you know, we'll just take another breath, a deep breath, and say, okay, now what? Uh, but the board will take uh, that in place. So just so you understand that. I guess out of that, any which way it goes, there's going to be some changes coming through to the church. But in the midst of this season of change, it's good to consider what won't change. And so some things around our church are not going to change. And um, you'll find on your chair this sheet. Now, I want to ask you to do something that you may never have done before and may never do again in your life. And that is actually to take this sheet home <laughs> and read it. <laughs> okay? Now, I know that's a very big ask. And um, I won't say what percentage I'll be happy with, but um, I just really want to encourage you to do this at this time. A, there's some great stuff on here, regardless of whether it's our church or any church, quite frankly. But secondly, this actually says a lot about what this church is about. It talks about our vision, and you will have heard this at several times if you've been here. Jesus glorified, lives transformed, and hope revealed. It talks about our mission it talks about our core values. And if you look at our core values, you'll see Christ centers the first, and we'll come back to that. But it talks about our core values. And on the back is our beliefs, our core beliefs. So what are the core things that, um, that this church stands for? What are we, essentially, what are we not going to argue about? These things are done deal. We're not going to discuss them. They are laid down in concrete. They come flat out from a source that I want to ask you where you think this stuff comes from. I'll give you a hint. It's on your chair or it's on your phone. Louder. The Bible. Yes, it's the Bible. So we actually think these, these statements, this is not the Bible. We just think this is a way of easily reflecting what is from the Bible and how do we communicate that well to our people. But we certainly acknowledge that the Bible is the basis for this. And then what's the, what's the Bible point to? The Bible points to Jesus. Old Testament points towards Jesus. The New Testament points back to Jesus. But Jesus is the reference point. And that should be reflected here. So um, I want to talk a little bit about myself, 
just so that, like I said, for a bit of information, and I do say, I do want to remind you that there's going to be a time for questions and that um, shortly, shortly after that. But um, first to say that, and, you know, there's been a number of people from this congregation and others who have actually been really positive towards me in this role um, as acting Allgate Campus Pastor, which has been really moving, actually, I have to say. I really want to say thank you. Uh, to those, and to those who've kept your mouth shut, thank you also. <laughs> I appreciate that as well. Um, but actually, I need all kinds of feedback, so please feel free. So um, just to give you um, a, bit of work, uh, a bit of background to me, because like I said, some of you know me quite well. Uh, some of you I met for the first time on the dance floor last night. In fact, I got to know most of the girls, so that was great. <laughs> I probably should have had a, se a session as the um, follower, and then I would have met all the boys as well, and that would have been um, that would have been great as well. But we didn't do that. But some fast facts. Firstly, I'm the um, I've talked about my faith in Christ, and that's a, that's you know the cornerstone of my life. Secondly, I'm a husband of one wife, and she's beautiful. Um, she also runs. So just so you know, what Kathy does because she's you know. She's not only beautiful, but she's great. Um, she runs Alpha here, which is a, a program that's designed for people to ask questions about faith in a different environment than we do here in church. It's a great way of inviting people to come and discuss big questions about life. And uh, great things are happening in that space. And I know that she spends time with some people in this congregation as well. We actually have four children. Um, and they all were brought up in this church and they all worship in churches around in this region, which is great. I don't recall the first time I committed my life to Jesus. I was raised in a Christian home, um, which was wonderful. My parents did a great job uh, of raising me. They didn't ask me to leave my mind behind. Um, they, you know, they challenged me to find out for myself and we've endeavoured to do the same. And our prayer for our children was that they wouldn't know that and by the grace of God seems like that's happened for us as well so we're really grateful about that. In our 20s Kathy and I spent two years with Youth with a Mission in Goulburn doing some training there. We spent two years in Cyprus planning to go long term into the Middle East and then we spent two years in Kuwait which by us didn't qualify as long term in the Middle East. Uh, in actual fact after that time we came back kicking and screaming a little bit angry at God, or just confused. Thought, what happened back there? Um, a little bit broken in reality. And, uh, you know, so we came back, uh, and very soon after that we came to this church. About a year later we came to this church, and after some time and over time we, we healed from that experience. And the wonderful postscript to that is roll on 25 years and Kathy and I are actually involved in Miracle Connect, a media ministry that reaches millions of Arabic speakers across the Muslim world. Uh, not everybody gets to see reward for pain. We feel super blessed that that thing that was painful, and if we're deeply honest, still is a little bit of pain, in my life, I say it's a grey spot in my soul. I've got a few questions that I've got written down, I've put in a box and said, I'll ask you when I get to heaven. And you know what, when I get there, I think that box just won't be there anymore. <laughs> I just suspect it'll be gone. It just won't matter. Um, 
but notwithstanding, um, yeah, we're just very fortunate in that way. We've been here at Allgate Baptist Church, for, which is now Hills Baptist, for 27 years. That's longer than half of you were born, maybe more. Um, but, you know, it's been a great place for us, and I hope it's a great place for you too. That would be one of those things that I'd really like to see. Something those of you who know me more may not know is that this is not the first time that I've actually considered taking on a pastoral role at Hills Baptist Church. Twice before, I felt like God has challenged me to say, would I be willing to step into that space? One time I got to the elders and said, if you need me, I'm here. The second time I got as far as Kathy. <laughs> Um, which, not to say that she stopped me, it's just to say that at that point, a better solution, the right solution, actually came along. I've always felt like it was God actually saying, are you willing? Are you willing to put your career behind you and follow me in this way? And took me to that place. When I was ready to say yes, he said, not now. Not that way. Um, this time he called my bluff. And he said, no, this time you're following through on that. He took me to that place and said, what do you know? Bam, you're it. Um, so, which is wonderful. It's actually great. And, um, yeah. So anyway, that's enough about me. I'd just like to outline quickly some of the things we're going to be focusing on in this season. And in this season, one of the things is going to be focused on is maximising the opportunities of change. So with change comes opportunity. A lot of people are actually a bit afraid of change. They think, I like things how they are. So one of the things we want to do in this time is do our best to manage this change really well on behalf of the church and for the people within the church. And so a couple of things around that is actually around what we're doing tonight is being as transparent as we can within confidentiality limits, of course, to um, manage this change well and recognise that people feel differently about it and give them time and place to speak and to listen. So there are a couple of things around change that we'll be looking at. We'll also be looking at how do we actually realign ourselves to the vision that we had of multiple campuses and multiple congregations because if we're honest with ourselves, probably Orgate and Verdun have drifted apart in a way that's not been envisaged. And we see this as a real opportunity to say, what was the vision around how we work together? And how can we utilise the resources that we have collectively um, for all of our benefit? How do we act, you know, what should we do together? I, I actually say it's a little bit like, you know, in some ways you might argue we've been drifting apart or you might argue we've been walking together. It's time to reach out and hold hands as we walk and make sure that we're sharing with each other more in that way. So that's something we'll be focused on as well. And closer to home here, I'll be focused on preparing the way for the next Allgate Campus pastor. So part of preparing for that is I'm going to do a really terrible job. Okay, so that you really look forward to the new person. Um, they got an easy, they've got an easy run coming in. You can't be worse than that bloke. Um, but more seriously, no. There's actually about it's actually about focusing on what do we want to do in our church 
to give that person who comes to us an opportunity to thrive and to give what they have to offer, not put out fires, not deal with stupid stuff, not deal with administrative stuff, you know, that we've got that stuff cleaned up. There's a few things I like to call the hygiene issues, that just things, you know, that, that are just untidy. They're not terrible, but we, you know, if we can clear those away, then we know the person coming in has a great opportunity to thrive. And truthfully, I think we did that when Mark, before Mark came. And if you look at the results of that, you know, he didn't have to deal with a whole lot of stuff. He was just able to give what he had, and that's what we've benefited from. So we want to make sure we do that. Uh, the last thing that, um, that we'll be focusing on in a little bit in this time is there's, there's some things you can do when you're a short-term pastor compared to a long-term pastor. There are, there are real things in that space um, that it's easier for me to address than someone new coming in, partly because I've been here for a long time and partly because in seven months I won't be here anymore. Uh, not in this role anyway. I will be here, but not in this role. And so some of those things, we're just looking around what are the opportunities in that space as well. So that's it about that piece. I just want to give people the opportunity, like I said, to ask questions. So floor is open. Any questions about anything I've said so far? Yes. Yes. Going through that discernment process, that whole discernment process of whether he um, steps into that official role, not whether he sort of skips the first steps of whether he becomes a candidate or not. Yeah, so just for the people online, um, the question is is the discernment process with Dave, is that skipping a step um, of the first step of? a recruitment process. Is that fair? Yeah. So, yeah, I think the answer, short answer to that is yes, that um, we are entering that decision, that, that process with Dave as the, not just the acting senior pastor, but the ongoing senior pastor of the church. So to clarify, the outcome of that, if it's successful, is that he will be the senior pastor, not a candidate, but the Yes. Yeah. Yep. Just one, just one. As Jason Howitt, we can say his name. There's not, that's not a secret. Jason Howitt from Baptist Churches of South Australia. Like, are you guys involved in the pastoral process? No. So the way the pastoral, so the question is, were are we guys? Meaning, I think that's me and Nick, yeah, for example. Um, so yeah, are we involved in the process? The short answer is probably Nick, not necessarily. Me a little, because I'm actually part of the board, um, but all of us is probably the other answer. So the process is, essentially the pastoral search team make a recommendation um, based on the work that they do, in this case, with Dave in the first instance. That recommendation will go to the board. The, um, the board will then make a recommendation to the members at which the members will vote. And so effectively it's the members who make the decision in the end, but there'll be a recommendation placed in front of them. If, by the way, if you want to be involved in that process, <laughs> and you've been, you know, get yourself 
into membership. It's a really good thing to do and it's part of how this body operates. So get yourself into membership if um, you want to be involved. You don't have to be involved. It's not a ball and chain. Yeah, so within that process, yeah, so the question is where do the elders fit into that process? Within that process, the board actually do consult with the elders prior to making the recommendation, but it's a consultation, so the responsibility actually lies with the board, but they do uh, consult with the elders prior to issuing, you know, that recommendation. Yeah. Yeah, good question, Ben. Um, so the question is, would we be looking... If Dave becomes a senior pastor, would we be looking for uh, any other people to cover for what Dave's doing? The short answer is yes and no, um, in part. Essentially, when that happens, we recognise that there will be a need for some additional resource for Vedan um, to, to cover for that point. The other thing is we're actually always reviewing what our requirements are uh, across the board. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, we will review that, and even for Allgate as well. Yeah, thanks, Mike. The question is, is the Allgate campus pastor search going to roll along in parallel with the senior pastor search? And... Yes, and I should say, and even more than that, um, we're also actually looking for a campus pastor for Lobethal, which is our church plant, which we are working towards in 2022. So the church as a whole is looking to plant a church in Lobethal in 2022, and at the same time, that, that group will be starting that process. As time goes by there may be a little bit more, that, that may morph into something slightly different if we get to the point of talking to an Allgate pastor and a Lobethal pastor. But, yes, yeah, certainly those processes are being kicked off. We're actually writing the job descriptions. We will advertise fairly soon for those roles. It's not a specific agenda, but it's always a consideration. Steve, I think, is the right answer for that. Like, oh, so the question was, will we be looking to get gender equity? Um, and so it's a discernment process in the end. And certainly that's not off the agenda, but nor is, it, nor is there a stated agenda in that space. <laughs> that's a comment, not a question. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. When would you expect to have um, your Allgate campus pastor filled? So, yeah, the question is when we expect to have the Allgate campus pastor filled. Um, we are working towards a date around April. Uh, we recognise that there can often be 
hitches in that process. Um, but as we've mapped it out, we think that's reasonably achievable, but things would have to go reasonably well to do that, but we're looking to that. My commitment is to the end of March, and so one of the upsides of that is I keep putting heat on the board to say, because it's not helpful to, like we can survive for a month or two without someone in the role, that, that we can do. But if it goes to three months or more, the load it places on everybody becomes really great. And so, um, you know, I'm gonna be keeping the heat <laughs> on because, you know, I don't wanna see that, us in that space. But things happen. But that, you know, just as a general perspective, that's how it looks as we've mapped it out. One of the difficulties, just to say, is that that's not a great time because quite often pastors have set themselves up for a year. So we need to see God move in that space. You know, that typically they have families, they don't want to move them mid-year. So there's some practicalities involved in that. Um, you know, that uh, which was one of the reasons we want to try and advertise this year so that people are at least thinking about it before Christmas. Yeah, sure. So Mike's question is, are there opportunities? It's a busy time for the church. You know, are there things we can do to help? Uh, there's a couple of things I would say. Yes, you can pray. Um, that will be fantastic. And we know people are. Secondly, I'll probably say a few things, actually. Secondly, you can be a good person. Okay, just don't give us stuff to deal with that really is not fundamental. I mean, seriously, seriously, don't give us issues to deal with that are not core kingdom issues. Okay, because that just places extra load. And I can tell you that is actually happening now. There are non-kingdom issues that are taking time and resource away from the church leadership. So I would say, you know, before you start thinking about what might create waves or wanting to promote or do something that way, make sure it's a kingdom issue, you know, that it's really important and it must be dealt with now. Um, we don't want to stifle that stuff, but if you ask what you can do to help, you can think about that kind of thing. The third thing you can do is you can actually volunteer to help. That will help take a huge load off of... Um, the leadership because it's one of the things we we grapple with all the time is getting people to contribute in you know contribute their gifts so you can do that that would be fantastic anything to add to that nick that i haven't thought of join a life group join a life group 100 percent. that's fantastic as well that would really help us genuinely help us Uh, so the question was, with change comes opportunity, what are those opportunities that we're thinking of? I, I guess I did speak to one, which is around the alignment um, with Verdun and coming back to that um, vision we have of one church, multi-campus, many congregations uh, in that space. That would be one of those things. I think for some of us, it's a little bit of a reset in how we think about things. Perhaps, you know, how we do church, how we do life 
I think, is an opportunity. I think it's an opportunity to get some different voices in the room. Speaking of diversity, Steve. All right, I reckon that's, that's good. That was fantastic. By the way, double ticks for, these, for you guys because not only did you respond to the survey the best, but that was more questions than I got from either of the morning congregations. So um, well done, seriously. All right, now for the good bit, turning our attention to Jesus. And I want to say that because in the middle of all that's going on, as you know, Jesus hasn't changed. In the midst of change, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, tells us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it's he we serve. And we're going to talk a little bit about Jesus being our cornerstone. And so some of you might say, what's a cornerstone? What? I don't use that term every day of the week. And I doubt that too many of you do either, unless you've been in Christian circles way too long. See, in Old Testament times, when, when this term first came around, buildings were built a bit differently than today. They didn't pour slab concrete. They actually got big, big rocks and they put them on the, on the, uh, as foundations. They got the biggest rocks they could find and the best rocks they could find and the biggest and best rock that they could find, the, the most true, was the one they treated as the reference point for the rest of the building. And typically it went in the corner. Hence the word cornerstone. So cornerstone, that cornerstone became the reference point for everything else in the building. Everything came back to we're measuring things from the cornerstone. We're relying on the cornerstone. We're ensuring that the cornerstone is correct because everything comes from it. And it's the thing that, that takes the bulk of the load of that building as well. Not all of it because there's full foundation. But it's a reference point and a load-bearing structure. And so it's important as we read these verses about Christ, our cornerstone, that we have that in our head, that that's the, that's the image that's being invoked here. What I'm going to do, actually, in this, time, in this space is not, I'm not going to preach, okay? We're going to read scripture, and I'm going to give you about 30 seconds, roughly. I'm not going to time it. 30 seconds just to ponder. I'm going to give you a question to ponder about that scripture. And then we're going to move on. But they all relate to Christ being our cornerstone. Just to say that in a couple of weeks, we're going to start a series. And in the spirit of what we're talking about, Verdun and ourselves are going to do this at the same time. And we're actually going to do a series on our values. And I said before, our first value is that we're Christ-centered. And it says that Christ is our cornerstone the foundation our faith is built on. We desire to follow his example as we seek to live as children of God. That's our first value. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a few weeks' time. We'll have a proper sermon. But for now, let's read. And firstly, we're going to read from the Old Testament in Psalm chapter 118. Now, this is the first time that it appears in the Bible. And it's the first time we think in chronologically speaking um, if the scholars will tell you this was the first time it was written in this way, that cornerstone is mentioned this way. And Psalm 118, verse 21, start, starting at 21, says, I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. 
The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it's marvellous in our eyes. So what I'd like you to think about is what's so marvellous? What's so marvellous? We're going to move on to a second reference in the Old Testament. And this is Isaiah chapter 28. It's got a clear echo of the sentiments of Psalm 115. It was written after it. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am the one who has laid as a foundation in Zion, a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone of a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not be in haste. Just by way of explanation, before I give you something to ponder, just want to explain what that means when it says, will not be in haste. It says, will we'll not act hastily is probably the best way to, to describe that. And in sort of layman's terms, I like to think of it a bit like, if you know any carpenters, a really good thing they like to say to you is, measure twice, cut once. Measure twice, cut once. And if you think of that as Christ as our cornerstone, it says, when you're making a decision, measure twice, cut once. Before you make your decision, go to your reference point twice. Test it. And then make your decision. Maybe more, but don't act hastily. So that's why when we think of cornerstone, it's a reference point. But it also says, let's take our decisions you know, from that reference point carefully. And just going on to verse 17. And I'll make justice the line and righteousness the plumb line and hail will sweep away the refuge of lies and waters will overwhelm the shelter. So just in that, think about the decisions that you make. Are there times when you've acted hastily? Are there times when you should think more about Christ as your reference point? The next one, we move into the New Testament, so the time of Jesus. The other ones were before the time of Jesus. Now we move into the time of Jesus. And in actual fact, this is Jesus speaking and referring to these passages. And in, Ma in both in Matthew, Mark and Luke, they all talk, tells the story um, where Jesus uses these verses for um, what he's saying to the people. And just to give this a little bit of context... This occurs after Jesus has been paraded through the streets as the coming king. So there's been this massive high. In the midst of this massive high that's just occurred, some of the local religious leaders come to him and actually challenge his authority about why he would say he's the king of the Jews 
or why he would say he's the son of God. And Jesus' response to them is this. He says, Have you never read in the scriptures, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing, and it's marvellous in our eyes. And just to contemplate that in saying this, Jesus is actually pointing to, the, to himself as the cornerstone, as prophesied in Isaiah. So he's actually saying, these people are saying, whose authority are you doing this by? Jesus is essentially saying, the very one that you want to reject is actually God's messenger, God's answer, God's solution. So just think about the impact that might have had on the people who heard it. In Acts chapter 4, we move on to the New Testament. We've had what Jesus said. Now we're saying, what did the disciples say about Jesus? And when they referred to him as cornerstone. And in Acts chapter 4, verse 11 and 12, Peter says, This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the building, but the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there's salvation in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now, I just want you to notice the echo of Psalm 118 in here because Psalm 118 starts with, I thank you you have answered me and have become my salvation. And then goes on, the stone that the builders rejected. So it's in that context. Here, Peter flips it and says, here's the cornerstone and there's salvation in no one else. So Peter speaks the gospel message of Jesus saying, there is no, other, no one else by which you can be saved. So I just want you to certainly ponder that aspect of Christ being cornerstone and how that links to salvation for a moment. We're going to move to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20, with a couple of verses before that, starting in verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to one spirit, to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. So perhaps ponder for a moment what it is to be members of the household of God, knowing what your foundation is. And finally, we're going to go to 1 Peter chapter 2. I think on the slide it starts verse 6. I'm going to start at verse 4. As you come to him, 
a living stone rejected by men but in the sight of God chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious. Whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Moving on to verse 7. So the honour is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Same as we've heard before. But moving on to verse 9, here's the application for us today and tonight. Verse 9. But you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So just think about what those statements say about us. What they provide to us, what they say about us, what they provide to us, and what they ask of us. Because within here, there are statements about us. There are statements about what God has provided. And there are statements about what he asks of us. And with that, I'm going to give you a reminder to take this baby home. Okay? And love it. Let it feed you. You don't have to feed this. Let it feed you. Okay? And we're going to pray. Lord, thank you that you're here, you're with us, that you love us. Thank you that you guide us through seasons of change. Thank you that in those seasons of change, we've got something, somebody we can refer to. We pray that you'd help us to keep our eyes fixed on you. We pray that you would help the leaders of this church uh, fill their jobs well. Uh, pray you'd keep the hearts of all of us who are leaders in a place that honours you, that seeks your kingdom first and not glory or position or anything that might be self-serving. We pray that you'll keep our church in a good and healthy state. And I pray for each of us that you'll help us build on the foundation you've laid for us, that cornerstone, that you might be the cornerstone of our life too. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to a sermon from Hills Baptist Church. To find out more or to hear other great content, Find us at hillsbaptist.com or on your podcast app.